You have a Bible with you today? Hold it up if you do this morning. Got your Bible? Okay, you're properly dressed for church, aren't you? That's the key. Bring your Bible with you to go and a copy of God's Word. And in Psalm number 19 today, Psalm 19, last week I preached to you a message on the power and the life of the Word of God, that the Word of God is alive and that it is powerful. Now, I continue along that same vein. Today, the blessings and benefits of daily Bible study. My aim in this message is to commit every member, to get every member to commit yourself, I should more properly say, to daily, systematic Bible reading and Bible study. If I had but one thing, if I were if the Lord came and said, I'm going to give you one thing, and it will come true in the life of this church this year, Bill Monroe, what would you like to see? And I would say without hesitation, if every member of this church would begin the day with a Bible in their lap and their knees bent in prayer, if they would be serious and systematic, not picking up a Bible wherever it falls open and reading a little bit, if they would uh, forget about the devotional books, as good as some of them are, if they would just pick up a Bible and begin to read it, think about it, absorb it, study it, pray about it, focus upon it for 15, 20 minutes every, every morning, and if they can't do it in the morning, they would do it sometime in the day. I'll tell you what, we would have revival in this church. It would change. The attitudes of people would change who are right now sort of indifferent to the things of the Lord. I wouldn't have to worry about church attendance. People would be here because their heart would be attuned. They would want to be here. They, we, they wouldn't need to be exhorted to be here. The Word of God would give them an appetite to be here. It would be at least as important as a ball game, <laughs> maybe more. But I'm preaching and meddling already, huh? Psalm number 19, will you stand please? It's the greatest tribute to God's Word perhaps in all the Scripture. It'd be hard to find one that would be better than Psalm 19. And we begin reading in verse number 7. The law of the Lord is perfect converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. And moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them is great reward. Verse 14, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Thank you. You may be seated. Really the foundation of this church and the foundation of 
my personal ministry for these 49 years has been our unshakable belief in the inerrancy, the infallibility of the Scripture as being the very Word of Almighty God. I reference that so often, perhaps you no longer hear it with over-familiarity. I hope not. But this Bible, this Word from God, is the very essence of who we are and what we are as a church. It's foundational. It is the foundation on which this church is is built. We believe that God's Word is completely accurate, and it is alive. It has within it divine, the, the very divine nature of God Himself. The Bible is unique among all the books of history. It is a living book impregnated with the very nature of God Himself. And it is powerful. Powerful beyond your ability to calculate. Last week I told the story of four people and how God worked in four people's lives during the Second World War. The first among them was the Japanese commander who led the attack on Pearl Harbor. The man whose voice you heard, Torah, 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 the attack signal. And that man came to Christ. He came to faith in Christ, and not only did he come to Christ, he became an evangelist that God wonderfully used all throughout Asia and even in the United States. And it was the story of a man who had given him a pamphlet but that man had become the prisoner of war in Japan himself. He was shot down. He was an American pilot. His name was Jacob DeShazer. And DeShazer wrote his story. His story was, I was a Japanese prisoner of war. And he put it in a little pamphlet and was handing it out in a square in Tokyo after he became a missionary back in Japan among his former enemies. And he happened to hand it providentially to this man, Fachita, who had led the attack on Pearl Harbor. And he read that, and God had been working in his heart. The reason God had been working in his heart is his flight engineer had come to faith in Christ, had become a Christian unbeknownst to him until a few weeks before he was handed the pamphlet. And the flight engineer came to Christ because a woman whose parents had been beheaded by the Japanese over in the Philippine Islands, that woman had come to faith in Christ, and she witnessed to the flight engineer. He told the commander about it. The commander's heart was stirred, and then he was handed this pamphlet, and he came to Christ. Four different people, God working in their life, all of them evidence of the power and the life that comes out of the Word of God. And so my greatest desire would be that you in 2019 would make a holy vow, a commitment to God. I will read God's Word. I will study God's Word. I will give the Lord a slice of my life every single day unless I'm providentially hindered. I will get serious about imbibing and incorporating the life of God found only in Scripture 
into my very being. It will change your life. It will transform you. Now, in Psalm 19, I want you to notice briefly what the Bible says about itself. Look in verse 7. It refers to itself as the law of the Lord. We know what laws are. Laws are to be obeyed. Laws come from a higher authority. The Bible's the Word of God. Notice in verse 7 also, it's called the testimony of the Lord. A testimony is when someone gives an account of their own experience. This is the Lord's account. This is His description of His Word. His testimony, and His testimony obviously is always true. In verse 8, He refers to them as statutes or precepts, principles of truth, if you will. Then He talks about them as being commands. And then in verse 9, he speaks of it as the fear of the Lord. That's not a name of the Bible, for the Bible as much as it is the effect of the Bible upon one's life. It creates a holy reverence for God, if you will. And then in the next verse, it's called the judgments of God, His judgments. And it says they're true, always, and righteous. Then in verse 10, it tells you about the value of the Word of God. It's more valuable than gold. Gold is one of the most valuable elements in all the world. But the Bible places itself as more valuable than the finest of gold. And then in verse 11, it tells us that the Bible warns us. It is like the sign on the highway that says, Warning, 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 there's danger here. Be careful. And then it says, lastly in verse 12, that there's a great reward in studying and meeting with God and reading His Word. And so today, those blessings and benefits that come from systematic daily Bible study, I want to talk to you about them in the remainder of my time. Number one, I want you to notice in verse 7, the Scripture will bring conversion. It will bring conversion to you. Verse number 7 the law of the Lord is perfect, and the effect is it converts the soul. It brings conversion, and it brings assurance of salvation. You see, your salvation, and hear me, don't miss this today. You've got to hear this. Your salvation is dependent upon a proper understanding of the Word of God. Your salvation is not dependent upon your church membership or how you live your life or Bill Monroe. Your salvation is entirely, totally dependent upon this book that I have on this desk before me. An improper understanding of what this book says about salvation will lead you away from the Lord, not to the Lord. You must read it. You must seek to understand it. Salvation, your salvation is dependent upon a proper understanding of what God's Word teaches about the plan of salvation. There's a familiar verse in Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. The verse says, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Your faith is in direct proportion to hearing the Word of God, reading the Word of God, studying the Word of God, understanding the Word of God. 
And as you spend time there and your knowledge and understanding of God's Word grows, your faith grows. Do you know why so many have so little faith? It is because they know so little, have heard so little, expose themselves so little to the teaching of the Bible about their salvation. Without the Bible, I would never know if I was saved or not. I would be up and down in my ideas of salvation. I would never know God's plan of salvation without the Word of God. I would be dependent upon my feelings. I would be lost in the opinions of a thousand different people that told me what they thought was involved in salvation. And so the very conversion of my soul, salvation, is dependent upon a true and proper understanding of what the Bible itself says about salvation, not upon what anyone else says. That word converting the soul there is an interesting word. If you look over in the margin of your Bible, for example, it might say something like this, converting the soul or returning the soul. And the idea is in salvation, we who have gone astray, we who have wandered far from God, we who are estranged from the Lord by our sin, we return to the Lord through the reading and study of His Word and through understanding His plan of salvation. Or a different uh, rendering of that word is transformation. And so it transforms my soul as I understand God's wonderful plan of salvation. I would not know that I was saved by grace through anything in nature or anything around me in life, I would not know it except the Bible says in Ephesians 2.8, by grace are you saved. Nobody else would tell you that. That came from God's Word, from the Scripture. And nobody else would tell me that my faith, by, faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Where would I get that in nature or in science or in secular education. I learned that from the Bible. The Bible tells me that true faith in Jesus Christ has as its source the Word of God. The Bible tells me I can know that I'm saved. I talk to people, as I talk to them, they say, I feel I'm okay, Brother Bill. I think I'm okay. Well, I hope I'm okay. Well, the Bible says you can know that you're okay. 1 John 5, 13, these things are written that you may know, K-N-O-W, that you may know that you have eternal life. And so here's the way I think about reading my Bible. I wake up in the morning, get my cup of coffee, I sit down, I open up God's Word. It's like plugging in my phone. It's like plugging in my laptop. The battery is flat. The life is going out of it. I turn it on. Nothing comes up on the screen. There's no life there. And I plug it in. I usually do that every night before I go to bed. And so the next morning it will be alive. It will be vital. It will respond to my touch, to my wishes. And I open up my Bible and I find there God's Word. I find God's will for my life. I find there His intention for me. 
And as I read his word, I charge my soul. I charge my batteries. I return back to that which is most important. I find my life is being transformed. It's being changed little by little, imperceptibly maybe to others. But in my heart, I know God is doing something in my life. And I get that from the Scripture. It converts the soul. Number two there in the same verse, if you will note with me, God's Word is His own testimony that will bring wisdom to me. The testimony of the Lord is sure, reliable, dependable. The testimony of the Lord. I mean, we look to a human being and say, is his testimony sure? Is it reliable? Can we believe this person's testimony? Well, the Bible is the testimony of the one who cannot lie, ladies and gentlemen. The testimony of Almighty God. And the Bible says it's sure. It is a sure testimony. And it will make wise the simple. You see, the great function of the Word of God is to enlighten the simple. It is to bring light. People today, their minds are so darkened. Watch television. Talk to a lot of people that you may know that are not believers. And their minds are so darkened by the world's philosophy around them. Talk to people who are not instructed in the Scripture, who are not saved people, and you'll see them and listen to them. They ramble down all sorts of religious, philosophical, ideological, blind alleys. They'll talk to you and they have their own ideas about what sin is. They have their own ideas about what salvation is. They have their own ideas about what the nature of man is. They don't believe man has fallen. They have their own ideas about what we can do to improve the world and the situation, the circumstances of life. They all have their opinions, their ideas, none of them based upon Scripture usually. You talk to them, you will hear them say over and over, I think. You will hear them say, I feel. Well, what does the testimony of the Lord say? That's the thing I'm interested in. What does the Lord say? And it says here, the testimonies of the Lord are sure. And they'll make wise the simple. If you want wisdom, then you go to God. You go to His Word. The word simple is interesting there. It means a person who is naive. We would say a simple person is a naive person. They're not very sophisticated in their thinking ability. They tend to believe anything people tell them. They're naive. Actually, in that Hebrew word there, it has the idea, it's an interesting term. It means, the word simple means a person with an open door. An open door. What does it mean? It's like the door of their mind is open and they're indecisive. They can never decide what they believe. I talk to people, they believe whatever the last person they talk to believes. They, they, they have no basis on really developing deep convictions in their life. When you begin to read and study the Word of God, see, you will begin to develop very deep, powerful convictions based upon the Scripture. And God's Word is a fountain of wisdom. It's, it's like a river of wisdom. God's Word is beyond common sense. In fact, it's uncommon sense. 
It's uncommon sense. It's sense that's rare. And let me tell you what's so great about it. It has been proven by time. It's not a Johnny-come-lately theory that somebody's testing somewhere and they're going to find out at great expense it doesn't work. The wisdom of God's Word has been tested by centuries and by millennia, and it's been found to be reliable and to be true. And look in verse number 8, something else. If you'll study your Bible systematically and daily, Number three, the Scripture is right. The statutes of the Lord are right. I wrote in the margin of my Bible, they're righteous. That's what it means, the idea of righteous. The Word of God is a righteous book, and look what it does. It brings joy. How many people here today have joy? Don't answer. You have joy in your hearts? I'll tell you a fact today that's being much written about, even in academia and so on. Americans are not very joyful people. Americans on the whole, according to all the polls and, and, and studies, Americans on the whole are not a very joyful people. Oh, we have great medical care. We have plenty of food. We have nice homes. We have cars. We have clothes. We have everything that is a, a shortage throughout most of the world. And yet you would think we would just be abounding in joy, and we're not, are we? There's so much depression. There's so much negative thinking in the world. There's so many people that are just full of gloom, discouraged. Everything they say, they live in a downer type of atmosphere. All they can see is their own circumstances. And their circumstances testify them that things are bad. Their problems crowd in on them. Somebody said that all a drowning man can see or think about is water. How true. And there's so many people that all they can see or think about is their own problems. They're drowning in them. They just don't know what to do to get out of the situation they're in. And with all of our affluence, our culture doesn't give people answers to that problem. Think of all the pills. Think of all the anxiety. Think of all the psychiatrists and counselors and psychologists and all the, think of the suicide. Do you know suicide is exploding, that there's been a 40% increase in suicide among teenagers since 19, or 2005, 40%. It's incredible. The people who are in such despair, they take their own lives. They choose not to even live. Little real joy today in so many quarters because we have depended upon material things to bring our joy. We've depended upon the circumstances of life. We've said, if things work out, I'd be happy. I'd, be, I'd have joy. Not necessarily. I have a letter that came into my possession this week. It's written by a pastor in China. Actually, this was written by the head elder in the church. The pastor's already in jail. 
Beginning last Sunday, the 9th of December, the authorities in China made a major crackdown on religion. Now, you won't hear about it in the mainstream press in America. They went to one church, the, I forgot the name of the church, Lateran Covenant Church or something. They have very strange names for their churches over there sometimes. The authorities came into the church service and arrested over 100 people. They don't know where many of them are. And the last remaining church official was an elder, they called him. And he wrote a letter, and it's on the Internet now. And he talked about, and by the way, 45 minutes after he put that on the Internet, they found out where he was hiding, and they arrested him. So now he's in custody. And do you know what he said? Brothers and sisters, over 100 of our people have been arrested. We don't know where they are. We know that they're going to suffer very serious persecution before this is over. But he said, I want to ask you a question. Do you have joy? Brothers and sisters, do you have joy? And he writes in his letter, and over and over he's saying to them, above everything, the Bible says we're to have joy in, even in our suffering." And he begins to quote the scriptures from Second Peter and from other places. That our joy is not dependent on how much we own or where we work or our title or position or all those things. If we get into God's Word, we discover our joy is in our relationship with the Lord and in the hope that we have in Him. That no matter how bad it gets, even if you're in a Chinese jail, that there is hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. There is purpose. There's meaning. There's a reason to be. Reading your Bible, getting deep into your Bible, will give you joy unspeakable and full of glory. Go on quickly to verse 8 and the second part of it, and it talks about the commandment of the Lord. And it says it is pure. And the word there is clean or lucid. It's so clean. It's so clear. It's like a clear window pane. You can see right through it. You can tell everything that's happening. The commandment of the Lord. Commandment refers to its non-optional uh, nature, doesn't it? Meaning that the Bible is authoritative. If you're a Christian and you're a serious Christian, if you really understand what it means to be born again, you don't read your Bible with the idea, well, let's see, what does it say? Well, I think about that. I don't know if I agree with it. Uh -uh. No, a real, genuine Christian reads the Bible and says, this is what God says. This is what I must do. This is binding upon me. This is authoritative. This is the Creator who is speaking, and He says, I want you to do this. We've got the idea that we can kind of bounce our opinion sometimes back and forth with God and His opinion. Oh, no. It is an authoritative statement. It's non-optional. It's a commandment. And it's pure and clear and clean. It's not confusing. The Bible's not puzzling. It's not mystifying in what it teaches. It's pretty simple what it means. In fact, do you know your King James Bible has... The simplest or the fewest number of monosyllabic words of any translation of the Bible. You can buy the newest translation of the Bible, but the King James has less big words, in other words. They're simple words. 
And you could take the simplest little dictionary and your Bible, and you can know everything the Bible is teaching ultimately. It's very clear. It's very lucid, we would say. In Psalm 119 and 105, you know the verse probably. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee, and thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. I have a little flashlight in the bedside table. I have another little flashlight in my car, in the pocket of my car. Sometimes I make a visit. It's pitch black. It's raining. It's dark. And I get out my little flashlight. Now, boy, it's amazing the power. They can get in that one little tiny flashlight now, isn't it? And I turn that thing on, and it keeps me from stumbling. It keeps me from falling. You want to go through 2019 and not stumble and not fall? Get into God's Word. Begin to commit yourself to daily systematic Bible study. The purpose of a lamp is to provide light, insight, understanding. God's Word does that for you. And then in verse 9, the Scripture is our source of truth and righteousness. The judgments of the Lord are true and they're righteous all together. Oh my, how relevant. You see, today, the battle, there's a battle going on for the very soul of America. If you're not thinking like this, you might not see it. But if you read your Bible, you'll begin to see it in vivid, vivid colors, I promise you. A battle for the soul of this country and every person who lives in it. It's a battle for truth and morality. And the world tells us that truth and morality are relative. And that's why it keeps changing. The world tells us today, your college students are being taught in the secular university that truth is personal, that you choose your truth. I decide this is true for me, but you decide something else is true for you. It might be the very opposite. That truth is personal. That truth is subjective. There's no objective ultimate standard for truth. Truth is what people think it is. And our culture is absolutely being filled with this at this time. And you know what it's done? It's produced moral insanity in America. It has produced a form of moral insanity. Let me give you an illustration. A woman's right to choose is greater than her child's right to live. That's moral insanity. If a man imagines himself to be a female, he has a right to go into a woman's bathroom or locker room. Moral insanity. You deny what's on your birth certificate. And you play like it's real. And you have a government that's crazy enough to come along, pass laws to require it. How do people get so far off of the track? Because we have forgotten and abandoned the Word of God. That held sway on our consciences throughout the history of our country. It was our guiding light. It was our compass. 
right is clear. It's, it's not difficult to ascertain what is right. And you see, once there is no basis, now listen to me. Think with me today, folks. It's the holidays. It's hard to get people to think. Think with me for just one second here. Once there is no basis for truth, once you've removed the Word of God from a culture, everyone becomes his own moral authority. Everybody then is his own authority. You remove the Word of God, there is no basis for right and wrong anymore. There's no basis for lightness, for light and darkness. And as a consequence, the whole culture becomes dark. And that's what we're facing. But God has not called us to despair, to give up and to quit, to throw in the towel. God has called us to be the light in this dark culture. But we can't do it if we don't know the Word of God. We cannot do it if we don't know the Word. So every morning, plug in, charge your batteries, charge your soul. Get the life of God back inside. Renew yourself. When you do, you'll be able to be that light that the Lord wants you to be. In verse 11, notice a couple other things real quickly. Scripture is God's way of warning us of danger. Oh, man, so many of our, so many of our problems in life are self-induced. They're simply cause and effect. If we do this, well, we're going to get this effect. So many of our problems are really the consequences of very poor decision-making that we do. You know, disobedience can be willful. Somebody can say, I don't care what the Bible says. But it can also be because of ignorance. People violate the principles of Scripture, and they, and they just don't know. They're ignorant of, of the teaching of the Word of God. And therefore, they violate those things, and consequences come. And then they blame life or they blame someone else. Oh, no. Open up your Bible. Put your faith in the Word of God. And when you do, you'll find out it's full of warnings that will keep you from those negative consequences in life. I'm not saying nothing bad or tragic will happen to you. It will. We live in a broken world. We live in a fallen world. I'm going to have rough patches. I'm going to have sickness. Someday I'm going to die. The people around me are going to die. I'm not going to go into self-pity and, 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 and defeatism because the Lord takes somebody away. We're born to die. We're going to die. We're going to, we're going to become ill. We're going to go through rough times. But the thing I want to do is not create those rough times by my violation of God's principles and His precepts. And in the Bible, there are sins to avoid. There are duties that I must not neglect there are responsibilities I must carry out. There are precepts that I'm, and principles that I must obey if I'm going to have the blessing in the hand of God upon my life. A lady was boarding a cruise ship. She said to the captain, Do you know where all the rocks and the shallows are out here in the ocean? He said, No, ma'am, I don't. I never study that. But I know where the deep water is. And do you know, I don't need to get up here and tell you and warn you about every sin and every little problem that society has or that you're facing in your life. You know what I need to do? I need to point you to the deep water. And right here is the deep water, right here in this book. Pick it up every morning, plug into it, begin to read it, study it, take it seriously, systematically go through it, come to church. And you know what you're going to find? You're going to find deep water. You're going to find smoother sailing than you would have known 
otherwise in your life. And I can tell you, it's easy to crash on the rocks in 2018, isn't it? I mean, there's a lot of hidden peril out there in this culture, this culture of darkness that we find ourselves living in today. And in verse 11, I want you to notice there's a really great thing here. I want you to focus on these words and maybe underlining, underline them. In keeping of them, the Scripture, there is great reward. There is great reward. Focus on that. God says, if you plug into my word, it's going to bring you reward. In the book of Joshua, chapter 1, and verse 8, there's a verse there that tells us to meditate and to read God's word day and night. In other words, a continuous practice. And God said there, if you will do that, look at the last line or two. You will make your way prosperous. And you will have good success. Make your note there in your margin. The only time the word success is used in the Bible is in that verse. You look in your concordance. One time the Bible has the word success. Joshua 1.8. You want good success? Well, it's totally dependent upon the book of the law, not departing out of your mouth, meditating in it day and night. Observing to do what is written therein, not just reading it, but obeying it. And if you do, there's a promise. God's prosperity and God's success. Now, success as God defines it. It's not success from some inspirational book that a man wrote. God's definition of success is being rightly related to him. It's being, it is having the right relationship to the Lord. It is coming into faith with salvation. It is walking in His Spirit. It is being obedient to Him as your master. Success in the Bible is not necessarily, though it may be related to material prosperity because God often does bless people, but it, it's not primarily about material and physical financial success. You see, every day there are people in our city that are making millions of dollars. Some of them are unsaved people. Some of them are not even moral people. You don't have to, material and earthly success can be achieved by unsaved people. But God's definition of success is dependent on plugging into His book. Systematic, regular, serious study of the Bible. And there's a common theme, and it runs through the Bible. And you might want to just jot these verses down. I'm just going to give you the reference because I'm through, almost through. But the common theme is this. If you'll read and study and apply God's Word, it will bring blessing to your life, to your family. Psalm 1 and 2 says, Blessed is the man who delights in the law of the Lord, and he meditates in. And it says he's going to be like that tree that's planted by the river that's always flourishing and full of fruit. And then in Revelation 1 and 3, the Bible says, Blessed is he that reads the word of God and heareth it at church and other places and does the word of God. And then the Lord Jesus Christ himself said this in Luke 11 and 28. Hear the word of the Lord himself. Blessed are they that hear 
the word of God and keep it. And keep it. Blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. The words of the Lord Jesus Christ. So faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, reading it, studying it, attending worship services, Sunday school, on your own, searching out what the Scripture says, listening to a Bible CD in your car when you have otherwise wasted time, perhaps. However you can expose yourself to the Word of God, oh, do it. And if you're not saved, you'll find the Lord through His Word. And if you are saved, you'll begin to grow like that tree planted by the river of water. You'll find guidance, insight, wisdom, direction, hope in tough times, faith, meaning, purpose. Boy, that's an effort worth pursuing, isn't it? In keeping them, there's great reward. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are